Alleluia, Christ is risen. <clears throat> the text for our sermon this morning is the epistle reading from 1 Peter 3. If you would open uh, to that on page 9, uh, if that is helpful for you, while listening to the sermon, I will uh, refer back to it multiple times. Uh, but in particular, 1 Peter 3, verse 18 and 19, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. God's grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you see there, uh, St. Peter in, in his epistle in verse 3, he refers to a very important teaching in the Christian church that we confess every time we confess the Apostles' Creed. In particular there, verse 19, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Today we contemplate Christ's descent into hell. We say he descended into hell after Easter, after he was brought again back to life. Jesus descended into hell. Why did he do this? What does it mean for us? This is what we hear today. You also, from our psalm on page 5, you get a picture of the psalmist who notes that almost like he himself has descended to hell, that he has, God has allowed him to go through some terrible suffering, but the psalmist reminds us the importance of staying faithful to God even when we're under extreme pressure when we're being tested by God, to remain faithful. And that, in the end, is why Christ's descent into hell is important and good for us. Because it helps us in a time of suffering. It helps us when we're being tempted by the devil. It helps us when God is testing us, to remind us to persevere through times of difficulty, to ponder these teachings, like Christ's descent into hell, when our mind, it seems, by our flesh is tempted to keep dwelling in sin, to keep doubting, contemplate these sublime teachings. Christ's descent into hell. Say the creed. Pray. Contemplate the Lord's Prayer. These difficult teachings have a purpose. It's almost a a tool to use to help yourself after you pray. You see your life in front of you is hard and difficult. Move your thoughts to Christ. And even the descent into hell. Contemplate that as a discipline. So since we've passed Easter Sunday, we remain in the Easter season and until the ascension of Christ, until Pentecost. Our readings get us to contemplate what it means now that Christ has died for our sins and been raised. Easter has taken place Now what? Now, as an athlete, I was always curious as to why the home team in a game, why that mattered so much. Why does it matter if you're on your home turf or not? If a team is better than another team, it shouldn't matter where the game is played. But you and I both know that there's just something something about being the home team the cheers, the energy, 
The familiarity with the field or the court, even seeing people you know cheering you on. And of course, let's be honest, the home team always pays the officials and umpires off. Right? (laughs) Being the home team has its advantages. In the descent into hell, Jesus goes to the devil's home field. He goes to hell. He goes right through the front door, marches in to show his victory over death. And he goes there and he preaches to all those in hell who did not believe the promises of the Old Testament. That God is faithful. That in Jesus Christ, God has fulfilled all the Old Testament promises. Jesus goes down into hell to show all those who thought God was not faithful. Jesus goes down there to preach. The same reason Jesus comes to us. To preach his victory and to tell us God is faithful. The the reading from 1 Peter, as I mentioned, is a topic that we We maybe glaze over when we confess the creed too often. Yeah, we we like that he was born of the Virgin Mary, Christmas, suffered under Pontius Pilate, Easter, but descended into hell often causes more questions than comfort. Why? Why would he go to the devil's home court? Some have ventured to say that when Jesus descended into hell, that it's just figurative. Because Jesus and the man of Jesus Christ, God and man, is so unified, never to be torn apart. They wonder, how could Jesus in the flesh, how could Jesus as a man and as true God, spirit, how could could he go to hell? Doesn't make sense. Going to hell, how can that physically be possible for Jesus? So the argument goes. Therefore, according to those who believe it not possible for Jesus to go to hell, they say, well, it must be symbolic. In fact, some have found this doctrine of the descent into hell so difficult, they've even tried to change the words of the creed. They say, Christ descended into the realm of the dead. They suggest those words, and for a time, various churches accepted this and actually changed the creed, but never did the true Christian church give these words up, because it's plain in Scripture. Now, some think this statement, Jesus' descent into hell, is part of what we call his humiliation, that Jesus' humiliation, that, that he's born in the flesh, born under the law, as Luke says, that when Jesus is dealing with all the travails that we fight against, temptation, that Jesus' humiliation is when he doesn't always use his power as God. This is what St. Peter means today when he says Jesus was put to death in the flesh. That means that Jesus didn't use his divinity to avoid suffering and death. That Jesus, God of God, light of light, allowed himself to be put to death. Jesus, he allowed himself to hunger. He allowed himself to thirst, to face sadness, 
to be in excruciating pain. He allowed himself to suffer, even though he could have avoided it all. He's God after all. But no, Jesus' humiliation is when he doesn't fully use his power. And many have thought that in the creed, when we say descended into hell, that this just describes Jesus' general humiliation. That they would say, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was descended into hell. But the church, from the earliest of times, from even the, the 100s and the 200s, has confessed the descent into hell as separate from Jesus' humiliation, that Jesus didn't go to hell to suffer. But Jesus went to show his victory. The descent into hell is not Jesus' humiliation, but it's the other side. It is his exaltation. That when Peter says Jesus is made alive in the Spirit, that is his exaltation. Now that Jesus has died and he has remained faithful, he now fully uses his divinity in all its ways, yet he's still man. Now that Jesus, true God and true man, has defeated death, Jesus' home field, if you will, is everywhere. There are no records in the church of this teaching even being controversial in the ancient church. In fact, the descent into hell doesn't become a question until much later in the history of the church. It seems that it wasn't so difficult for the early church. You know, those people we consider kind of not as smart as us? They had no problem accepting this teaching. It wasn't even questioned until the modern church. It didn't seem so difficult for the early church to accept Scripture's teaching, even if it doesn't make sense to worldly logic. Our text from 1 Peter 3 lays out the post-Good Friday reality. That when Jesus died, what did he say on the cross? He said, it is finished. His suffering his humiliation, his being limited, was over. As the hymn says, the strife is o'er, the battle is won. Peter, in our text today, is stressing Jesus' exaltation because that's what he's trying to do for the church in his epistle letter. He's trying to encourage them to stay faithful to suffering, and if you stay faithful, you will be rewarded. Look how Peter, look how he goes through the text in verse 19. He says he descended in verse 19. He went to hell, to prison, for all in hell to witness God's victory. Then in verse 21, Peter says he was raised for all of those on earth to see that God is faithful. And then finally, look at verse 22. He says, he ascended to the right hand of the Father to show everyone that the man God Jesus is victorious. Peter is showing that when we endure suffering like Christ, there will be an end to your turmoil. There will be a time when God relents of his testing you. 
There will come an end to our battle against unbelief and doubts. Another text that the church looks at in considering this descent into hell is what did Jesus say to the thief on the cross when he was there with him? Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. So often we focus on the today, but really we should focus on the word paradise. Because this means Jesus is saying that he will be in a blessed, glorious estate after his death. Jesus wouldn't say we're in paradise if he still has some suffering to do in hell. Christ descended into hell to take possession of the keys of hell. In Revelation 1.18, Jesus says he has the keys to death and hell. So St. Peter's not the only apostle to talk about the descent into hell. St. Paul, he also teaches this teaching because it's, it's comforting to us. In Colossians 2.15, after St. Paul speaks of Jesus dying on the cross, he says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities. He put them to open shame by imprisoning them in Him. In Psalm 68, the psalmist, even in the Old Testament, says, The Lord will lead captivity captive. St. Paul in Ephesians says this teaching, this is what it means when it says he descended into the lower regions of the earth. St. Paul says, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Paul says the descent into hell shows us that Christ's victory is effective everywhere. There is no place you can go where you are not in the care and comfort of the risen Savior. Finally, when you pay attention to the words of Peter, he says Jesus was made alive in the Spirit, then he went and preached to those captive in hell. Jesus was made alive to go and preach in hell. And then he ascends to the right hand of God, still true man and still true God. After being made fully alive, in the spirit means in his state of exaltation. So why is this important? Why is the descent into hell spoken so often in the Bible? Because it shows Jesus going to the devil's home field. Jesus marches right in. Jesus goes in there and says, No more will you be able to torment my people. Jesus goes to hell as victorious so that you can be sure that whatever hell you might be going through, Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you and will get you through it. Only remain faithful. Don't think that the devil is victorious and can get you to sin. Jesus can keep you faithful even in times when you may have imagined it impossible. Because, to be honest, too often, what is our home field? Too often, where do we feel comfortable 
It's in sin. Unfortunately, that's the field and the city, the nation that that we feel so comfortable in. Too often we think we're citizens of, of that fallen and defeated kingdom. That our capital city is rebellion against God. But God in his mercy, he doesn't come to destroy you. But he calls you to repent. To repent of your doubts that his, victor- his victory doesn't help you now. That Jesus comes to destroy the devil's reign over you. That Jesus comes and he's the king over us and all the world. When a capital city, when a home field is captured in a war, it usually symbolizes the end of the war for the losing side, and that certainly is the case for the devil. Your capital is your fortress, your place of shelter. Sometimes we can be tempted to return to our sins because they comfort our flesh. Gossip about others. Setting up a fortress around us thinking we can protect our pride instead of saying, I'm sorry, but the capital of your sin has been destroyed, my friends. It will not destroy you. You who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God has made alive together with Christ, having forgiven all our trespasses, canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Now, maybe we just change the goalposts. In 1863, Mexico City, the capital of Mexico, was was defeated by the French. The Mexican government, to deal with this, they said, you take our capital, we'll just move it to another city (laughs) and claim we haven't lost. Jesus has defeated your sins to completely forgive you. The devil can't hide your sins in another city. He can't hide them in hell. There is no place where your sins still exist. They are gone. Jesus' victory is your victory. Where Jesus goes leading death and hell captive, so also you go. Death has no dominion. But oh, how the devil tries to convince us that this world is our home turf. That this world is our capital, our home field. And look at how much trouble the devil sows to try to get us to think we've lost. The shooting in Allen last weekend. Death in general. Disunity among Christians. We become so depressed when things at our home And with our family, get hard. The devil tries and tries to make us think that this world is where we should have our victories. And if we lose here in this life, then, well, it's not worth it. But don't give up. Look to repentance and reconciliation. Look to endurance, to contemplating the things of Christ when you are tempted to sin. No, this is not our home. This is not our home field. We are pilgrims in this life. We are moving and striving toward a greater city. We are travelers. Here is where the devil works and tries to thwart God's will, but Jesus is raised. 
In the Old Testament, in Hosea 13, the prophet prophesied that by Christ's death, he frees us from death. Hosea writes, I shall ransom them from the power of death. I shall redeem them from death. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? That might sound familiar. St. Paul quotes this in 1 Corinthians 15 to speak of the bodily resurrection. It's curious, though, too, in the Bible, that every time this teaching, the descent into hell, is mentioned, baptism is not far away. As we see with Peter today in 1 Peter 3, he says, baptism now saves you after talking about Jesus' descent. Paul in Colossians talks about baptism and its effect for you and that it's with you everywhere because Jesus has descended into hell. Jesus' descent into hell and baptism are so intricately tied together that Jesus, if he can be with those in hell, he can also be with you in your hell. That the Easter victory will keep you. Just as hell couldn't keep Jesus out, neither can our world. Neither will your sin keep Jesus from coming to you. Only don't get caught in sin. Don't die in sin, but repent. Because everywhere you go, now that you are baptized, everywhere you go, you're on the home team. Not because, not because you've won the victory, but because Christ has. And by his promise and baptism, he's always with you. There is no place that you can go that Jesus' victory is diminished. There is no evil that can scare you. There is no person who has so much power over you that they can cause you to fear. Alleluia, Christ is risen.